Hello, Westside Family Church. It is so great to see you on this beautiful day, whether you're here at Speedway watching online. What we are beginning today is a really big deal. It is a really big deal to Jesus because Jesus had a dream that the church would be one. Not only be one, but act like they're one. And today, that dream is coming true as a ton of churches in Kansas City are joining together with churches around the world in 25 cities internationally around the world to make the name of Jesus famous, which is awesome, right? Let's give it up for God to God for that. That's amazing. This, this is so, so exciting that this is happening. And uh, what we are doing is inviting you into an experience that centers around Jesus himself, which is our number one value here if you're visiting. Jesus, it's all about Jesus. And so there are a couple of things that we wanna invite you into. First of all, all the churches around the world over this seven week period of time are doing a series out of the Gospel of John and the seven I am statements of Jesus. And so I wanna encourage you to be here for all seven, whether you're in the room or watching online. Secondly, we are encouraging you to be in a watching group where you gather together with uh, your A2 group, with some people at work, with some kids at school, whoever it may be, to watch these seven episodes of the life of Jesus uh, where we are covering the seven miracles of Jesus in the Gospel of John. And you can uh, take a QR code to learn more, a picture of that, more of how to get into a watching group and how to access these seven episodes. And finally, we're encouraging you to start for Lent, the 40 days leading up to Easter, a listening plan uh, where you'll listen for 10 minutes a day for 40 days uh, to all four of the Gospels. So just 10 minutes a day, You can hear all four Gospels as we prepare for Resurrection Sunday, which we call the real Super Bowl Sunday. That is for sure. So I would encourage you to take a a pic of this, a QR code, where you can download the listening plan from YouVersion and begin listening, I think, this Wednesday Uh, at the beginning of the Lent season. So that's pretty exciting. Also, uh, if you're here or at Speedway, we have these one commemorative New Testaments that we would encourage you to pick up. Pick up an extra one and give to somebody that you know at work, in your neighborhood, a family member that could be encouraged by not only this New Testament, but invite them into the listening plan with you. It's going to be exciting, right, church? All right, now what I want to do before we dive into this first message is I want to pray and invite you to open up your hands before the Lord as we pray. <clears throat> Father, right now, we stand before you uh, with a posture uh, and a desire to receive your word. So we open up our minds, we open up our heart, we open up our hands before you, and we're telling you, as you speak to us today through your word, We have already declared that we will lean in and be obedient to whatever it is you're calling us to. And in this moment right now, Father, I pray for the people of Ukraine. And I just can't imagine the terror that is in the hearts of, of little kids as they're being invaded. 
And I pray, Father, that you would watch over them and protect them and bring this situation, Father, to an end according to your will. We pray all this in the name of Jesus. And everybody who agreed with that prayer said, Amen. 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 All right. There is a famous line that is delivered by Juliet Capulet in the William Shakespeare famous play, Romeo and Juliet. Maybe you remember the quote. It says, what is in a name? That which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. What she is saying, she is saying that um, there's really nothing in a name. She's suggesting that you can take a rose and call it a rock, but if you smelled it, it would still smell sweet like a rose. Ultimately, that a name is not very relevant. So I ask you the question, what do you think about that? Well, for me, I hope she's right. Because the name that I was given at birth is Randall Eugene. The name Randall means house wolf. House wolf, okay. Uh, The name Eugene means well-born. And so when you put the two together, it means well-born dog. And 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 I say this because why? Because a house wolf is uh, tamed enough to live in a home. And so it's a dog, a well-born dog, okay? That is my name. I hope it doesn't really matter. Now, the, there are some well-born dogs. I'm not one of them. I want. Uh, we have a John Markert, uh, and, who's our A2 leader, and Barbara. This is their little dog, Cooper. He is as cute as possibly can be. And I can tell you, this is a well-born dog. The entire household at the Markerts evolves completely around this little mutt, completely around it. He is a well-born dog, and some of you have one of those. Have you ever seen the episode of Seinfeld? I don't watch it, but um, I read the Bible all the time, but someone was telling me about this episode (laughs) where Seinfeld says, you know, we're out walking our dogs, and the Martians come down observing us, and we're walking our dogs, going around and picking up their stuff, Right? Who are the Martians thinking is in charge of the entire world, right? It's well-born dogs. It's Randall Eugene's. And then to top it off, my nickname is Randy. Don't even get me going on what that means. And some of you don't know because you're not from Europe or you're not from Australia. Well, you can Google it later or you can watch Austin Powers and you'll find out what the name Randy means around the world. It's not very becoming for a pastor. And then all of a sudden, I start dating a girl whose nickname is Corky. Yeah, her name is Corky. And we ended up getting married. And when I graduated from seminary, I told Corky she's going to have to revert to her given name because we can't go around and saying, hi, I'm Randy, and this is Corky, and we're pastors. Our church is down the street at the local pub, you know, with the billiard room. So that's just not going to work really well. So she shifted her name from seminary uh, to Roseanne, Roseanne, which I tell you is a much sweeter name as Juliet has suggested. Now, research will tell us that your name really does matter. Take a look at this. If your name is easier to pronounce, people will favor you more. If your name is common, you're more likely to be hired. 
If your last name is closer to the beginning of the alphabet, you will get into better schools. If your last name is closer to the end of the alphabet, you're more likely to be an impulsive spender. So if you're thinking about dating a guy with the last name Xander, think again because you'll be broke for the rest of your life. Here's the last one. We judge people by their names. For example, if you got dumped in high school by a guy named Michael, you will forever uh, have a negative judgment on all men named Michael, right? So what's in a name? As we begin this important series today, Jesus is going to reveal his name that he had before his stepdad, Joseph, gave him his name at birth in the manger. And people are going to judge him when he reveals this name to them. But for others like me and for you, this name brings great news. I want to tell you the story. It's found in John chapter 8. You can open up your Bibles there or the Westside app has all the scriptures and notes to take. Jesus has just got all up into the business of the Jewish religious leaders. He's challenged them that they belong to the devil and that they don't believe in him because they don't belong to God. Ouch! Jesus certainly didn't read Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People, right? And so in John chapter 8, verse 48, they answered, Aren't we right in saying that you are a Samaritan and demon-possessed? Okay, then now they're swinging below the belt and, uh, and, and saying that Jesus is a Samaritan and that he's demon-possessed. You see, Samaritans uh, were a group of people, a race of people that the Jews despised. And here we see that Racism has always existed. The Jews despised the race of the Samaritans who were half Jew and half Greek. They were racist. And later, and even today, people are racist against the Jewish people. And what we learn historically and in the Bible is that racism isn't fundamentally a skin problem. Racism is fundamentally a sin problem. And Jesus is um, being challenged because in chapter 4 of the Gospel of John, he went through Samaria versus going around it and spent the whole day with a Samaritan woman. Yeah, a Samaritan woman who was married five times. Why? Because Jesus isn't a racist. And because we follow Jesus, neither are we. All people are loved by God and need Jesus Christ as their Savior. If you agree with that, say amen. 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 That is our calling. And he's certainly not demon-possessed. So Jesus denies their claim, and then he says this, Very truly, I tell you, whoever obeys my word will never see death. At this they exclaimed, Now we know that you are demon-possessed. Abraham died, and so did the prophets, yet you say that whoever obeys your word will never taste death. Are you greater than your father Abraham? our father Abraham? He died, and so did the prophets. Who do you think you are? Jesus responds, listen carefully. Jesus replied, 
If I glorify myself, my glory means nothing. My Father, whom you claim as your God, is the one who glorifies me. Though you do not know him, I know him. If I said I did not, I would be a liar like you, but I do know him and obey his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day, and he saw it and was glad. He is saying that Abraham, from the Old Testament, their main guy, actually saw Jesus. What does he mean? He means that when God visited Abraham, he told him that he was going to make his his, his uh, name into a great nation and ultimately out of his nation, out of his family would come the Messiah, Jesus. And Abraham actually saw it in his mind's eye. It was kind of a future thing. And these guys, these religious leaders are starting to catch the drift of what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying he is the Messiah. And then Jesus then goes in verse 58 and he's going to tell them this thing about me, it's not just a future thing that Abraham saw in his mind's eye, it's more. Here's what he said, very truly I tell you, before Abraham was, say it with me, I am. Jesus was actually alive before Abraham was even born which is really a mind-blowing idea because my calculations show that Abraham has been gone now for over 2,000 years and Jesus is only 31, 32 years of age. By my calculations, Jesus would have to be alive for 2,197 years minimum to be alive before Abraham was born. But Jesus is not saying that he was there just before Abraham. Otherwise, he would have said, before Abraham was, I was. But he said, before Abraham was, I am. What does that mean? Well, grammatically, it means that Jesus was never born, that he actually has always existed, that he has no origin, he has always been. So what was the response now of the Jewish religious leaders? Check it out in the next verse. At this, they picked up stones to stone him, but Jesus hid himself, slipping away from the temple grounds. Okay, what was it that Jesus said that made them want to stone him? To discover this, you have to go back to the Old Testament to the book of Exodus, the first five books that the Jewish religious leaders had memorized, the book of Exodus, chapter 3. In Exodus chapter 3, we find that the Israelites, or the Hebrew people, had been in Egypt now for 400 years, and in this particular era, they are currently experiencing horrific and demoralizing slavery. Moses, you're familiar with the character Moses, who was once in Egypt is now been living out in the, in the rural area uh, for 40 years with his wife Zipporah and uh, extended family, minding his own business. And God visits him at the age of 80 and tells him that he has an assignment for him. You know the assignment, but let me stop there for a moment and remind all of you who are older and thinking that God cannot use you that you were mistaken. 
that God has the opportunity to use you till you give up your very last breath. At the age of 80, God visits Moses and talks to him through a burning bush. And he says, Moses, I want you to go back to Egypt and I want you to tell the mighty Pharaoh, remember what he told him to tell him? Let my people go. Let my people go. Moses says back to God in Exodus chapter three, verse 11, who am I that I should go to Pharaoh and bring the Israelites out of Egypt? Who am I? Moses' given name means pulled out of the water. (laughs) What is he gonna do with that, right? That's like Randall Eugene, you know? It's like house dog, you know? What is in a name? Moses said to God, my name means pulled out of water, which I'm very grateful for because Pharaoh's daughter pulled me out of the water and saved my life, but I don't think it's gonna do me much good when I stand before the mighty Pharaoh and tell him, let my people go. God says to Moses, but the difference is, is that I'm going to be with you. And I love Moses' response in verse 13. So Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, The God of your fathers has sent me to you, and they ask me, what is his name? Then what shall I tell them? I want you to listen carefully to what God says back to Moses in verse 14. God said to Moses, I am who I am. This is what you are to say to the Israelites. I am has sent me to you. What kind of name is that? I am. What does it mean? Well, it is a big deal, and I want you to listen in. It means that God has always existed, that he doesn't come from somebody like all of us have, but he has always been, always is, and always will be. He is the, let your mind think of this, the uncaused cause. He is self-existent. I am is present tense, so it means God has no past, no present, nor future. That's mind-blowing. Everything about God is right now. Everything that God has ever prophesied about the future, we are waiting for, but he is not waiting on anything. He is already there and here at the same time. Boom! Boom! It means that God is eternal. He has no beginning nor end. Then God repeats himself by, by shorting the title, I am who I am, to just simply referring to himself as I am. Tell him, I am sent you. In Hebrew, um, the name I am is four letters in the Hebrew language, and there are no vowels. In the original Hebrew language, it was only consonants. The vowels were not added until the 10th century by a group of scribes called the Masoretes. So when I was in seminary learning Hebrew, it was very tough because it's all consonants. Take all of the vowels out of the English language and see how hard it would be to learn the language. It is called a tetragrammaton, which means that God's name is four letters, four letters. And here are the four letters, what they look like in Hebrew. And if you do an English transliteration, these are the four letters that you would get. Does that look familiar? And when you pull it together, it actually 
is the word Yahweh. This is the, while God has over a thousand names in the Bible, this is the most prominent name. We also uh, use the word Jehovah. Yahweh and Jehovah are the very same thing. It's really interesting. Uh, The Jewish people so revered the, the, the name Yahweh that they would not actually say it. It was so reverent to them, they would not actually ever say it. Whenever they would read Yahweh, they would instead say the word Adonai. You ever hear God called Adonai? That's the name they gave to God because they were so respectful of God when his name Yahweh came up. In your Bible, whenever you see the word Lord with all capitals, that is the Hebrew word Yahweh. It's really interesting, just as a side observation. Moses goes to the Israelite people and says, I am. You know, he says, God wants to deliver you. And they never ask who who God's name is. It was all for Moses. Okay, now let's go back to Jesus for just a moment. Jesus is saying to these religious leaders, I am the great I. So they pick up stones to kill him. And this was in keeping with the Old Testament requirement, Leviticus chapter 24. Take the blasphemer outside the camp. All those who heard him are to lay their hands on his head, and the entire assembly is to stone him. But it's not blasphemy if it's true. And it is true. Jesus is I am. Now, some of you are new to the concept of church, and we think of Jesus, you might think of him as a man. But here are four implications of what Jesus is saying to our lives today. First of all, Jesus is God. Jesus is God. He is not a mere man. And why is that important? If Jesus were born of the seed of Joseph, we would be in big trouble. Because all of us are born from our parents who were born from their parents. All of us ultimately go back to a guy named Adam who sinned. And his sin has been transferred to every single human being automatically at their conception. If Jesus were born of the seed of Joseph, he would have contamination in his life. He would be filled with sin. And while his crucifixion would have been noble and a nice gesture it would have had no effect on the removal of our sin but Jesus wasn't born of the seed of Adam he was born of the seed of the Holy Spirit and therefore when we say or sing at Christmas time about the virgin birth it's not just a nice thing it is absolutely essential for our salvation There is no sin in the blood of Jesus. Therefore, his sacrifice is perfect and sufficient to remove our sins. And all of God's people said, Jesus is God. Number two, Jesus saves. Jesus saves. Back in Exodus, through the leadership of Moses, Yahweh kept his promise and led the children of Israel out of slavery across the Red Sea and ultimately into the promised land. The name Jesus in Hebrew is the word Yeshua. 
Jesus' name is Yeshua in Hebrew, and do you, you can almost see it in Yeshua. Do you know what Yeshua literally means? It means Yahweh saves. Yahweh saves. Yeshua leads us out of slavery to sin and ultimately into the promised land of eternity in his new kingdom where we will live with him forever and ever. And all of God's people said, number three, Jesus is present. Jesus is present. The I am is forever present, which means what? In Matthew chapter 18, Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am with you. All we have to do is gather around the name and the purposes of Jesus, and he shows up. I don't know about you, but that's why I came this morning. I gathered around the name. All we need is just one more person to give witness that they are here in the name of Jesus, and we got Jesus here. Anybody else? Anybody else here gathering around? All right, we got one. We got two. All right, that's it. Jesus is here right now. Not in spirit. He is here. And he is looking at you right now. Yeah. And he loves you. One of the great times to remember the I amness of Jesus is when life isn't making sense. And to realize that he's watching you. And that he loves you. And that he's listening to you. So right now, as Jesus is looking at you, what is it that you want to say to him? Do you need some help? Do you need some encouragement? Just close your eyes and say, Jesus, I need you. Because he is looking at you right now. And he loves everything about you. And all of God's people said, but there's one more. Jesus will give us his name. In Revelation chapter 22, John, the same author of the Gospel of John, sees a vision of our life to come in the new kingdom. For those of us who believe, John says, Revelation 22, 4, they will see his face, that is, believers, you and I, and his name will be on their foreheads. It looks like I no longer have to walk around and try to make something out of my name. Well-born dog. I'll leave that to Cooper. That, that could be his assignment. <clears throat> I will have the name of Jesus proudly tattooed on my forehead. And it will signal to everybody that I am a somebody. And that I belong in the kingdom of God. And all of God's people said, Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you today for your word. Oh my goodness. It just blows our mind of the, of the amazing depth of your scripture that leads us to this place of who Jesus really is. And I pray today that your word will invite, will cause, will woo somebody who has been on the fence with you to cross that line of faith and come into an eternal relationship with you and embrace the promises of one day receiving the name of Jesus into our lives and on our foreheads. And now, Father, as we worship you, the great I am, I pray that you will receive our worship from our heart 
that uh, you will be pleased by what you hear from our frail and feeble lives and voices that have been redeemed by Yeshua, by Yahweh, Jehovah, Adonai. We pray this in your son's name and by his authority.